It's time for the moment you've been waiting for. You're listening to Getting Bullied, a Flyers hockey podcast. Now crank it up and rip the knob. Boy, that escalated quickly. Podcast partner of phillyisflyer.com. The first getting bullied of 2019. Happy New Year, everybody. A belated Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. Whatever you celebrate. Uh, thanks for joining us. It's Mark Gino. And as always, of course, Dan Silver. Dan, Happy New Year. How you been? I'm good, man. We got to do a Happy Hanukkah, too, you know? Right, I mean, right. Uh, I've been good, dude. I, uh, good... Good New Year's, you know. I played the horses a little bit and had a couple nice, nice scores uh, the last few weeks, and uh, just been watching. You know, this is one of my favorite times of the year with the World Junior Championships, which we will definitely get into. The Flyers have, uh, yes. you know, they're tied for the most prospects in the whole tournament, no surprise. And so we'll get into that a little bit later. But I, I love the World Juniors, and um, you know, there's only one thing that's not really going well right now in my life and uh you you could probably guess what that is Mm-hmm. yep well as usual the thing that's not going right in my life your life and the life of all philadelphia flyers fans is just that it's the flyers and uh there was you know before i guess we kind of took a little break last week enjoyed the holidays um and the last episode we did was right before Christmas, and we were talking about Carter Hart's debut, Dave Hackstall's firing, Scott Gordon coming in now as the head coach, and they started off well. They, you know, they came in, they won two straight. If you could call, yeah, I don't really call two games in a row a streak. That's just kind of back-to-back wins. But they come, Scott Gordon comes in, they they look good, they look um, motivated, and. Then they go on this road trip, the wheels fall off the wagon again, and everyone's screaming with their head on fire. Nobody's happy. I keep seeing on Twitter every night, you know, changes have to come, something has to change. And, you know, to be honest, I'm kind of at the point now with the Flyers where I'm not I'm not concerned with this season anymore because I, you know, I could just see by watching them that this is not a team that has it. And I don't know if there's a move out there that could spark the Flyers into a playoff run and make them respectable. And right now I'm looking at this season as looking forward to the future because you're not going to win the Stanley Cup this year. More than likely, you're not going to make the playoffs. So why go and trade pieces to try to bring in other guys to put a run together now? And why not just see what you have with some of these guys? And yeah, I'm not saying no moves should be made, but I'm not... I'm not running to the phones, making all types of phone calls, expecting to salvage this season because and now you see Dave Haxall's out and you still see the same problems with this team as there were when he was here. And it, new coach, same problems. They still can't finish out games. They're still playing inconsistently. They're still not showing up in games as we saw in Nashville, as we saw in Carolina. This is just not a good hockey team and other than overhauling the whole core and making like four trades, which isn't going to happen. I don't see the Flyers turning around this year. No, it's very hard to imagine that this team can go on the kind of run that they did last season. And like a lot of the same pieces are in place, but there are, there are some differences when you get into the, some of the statistics. I mean, 
The Flyers, right now, they're only one point out of being the worst team in the league. The, the Senators and the Blues both have 34 points. The Flyers have 35 points. They're tied with the Kings. So they're right there as one of the worst teams in the league. Last year at this time, I think the Flyers had four or five more points, but their goal differential was even, which kind of was one of those underlying statistics which made you think, okay, maybe this team's a little better than their record. This year, the Flyers' goal differential is uh, minus 29 which is uh, it's not good. It's, no. uh, I, I think it's second worst goal differential in the league. But, um, and you look at the fact that, you know, last year they went on that long winning streak. They won what, 10 in a row, which helped turn their season around. This year, the Flyers only twice have won two games in a row in regulation. I mean, that is astounding. We are 39, 39 games into the season. And only once have the Flyers won two in a row in regulation. They had a three-game winning streak where one of the games was in overtime, but only twice in regulation. So it just doesn't strike me as the kind of team who's going to go on one of these long winning streaks. They're just – they're not very good. And, you know, a, a lot of the problems kind of revolve around the goaltending, which has not been good at all. And we had hopes that Carter Hart would help to uh, – normalize that and look he's been fine i mean he's played in what six six games uh five or six games since he was brought up and he was very good in a couple of them and he was mediocre in a couple of them and he was pretty bad in the other one which was you know the game uh the game against carolina where they lost three to one and he gave up three kind of bad goals and was pulled but he look he's only 20 years old even if carter hart is going to become a superstar as a 20-year-old, he's going to have ups and downs. And I'm not convinced yet he's going to become a superstar. And so in that case, there's definitely going to be a lot of ups and downs to just being kind of like a, an average goalie. And Michael Neuberth, to be fair, Michael Neuberth has been very good since coming back from his injury. Mm -hmm. Last night against the Predators, I thought he played really well. He kept the Flyers in it. And, you know, they uh, there were some funny moments with Neuberth last night, too, where they, the delayed penalty where he came out and the puck whizzed by him and then the breakaway where he came out and it, some some funny stuff going on. But he was I thought Neuberth has actually been pretty good since he's been back. But the reality is, is that, yeah, I mean, this this team, they've scored two goals in the last three games. They've they've been outscored uh, <laughs> nine, nine to two. Yeah, two goals in the last yeah. three games. And it continues to astound me. You look at their roster, and they've got a lot of guys who are proven NHL scorers. But I, you know, I, I don't think it's going to happen for them this year. And so you're right. I don't think that there's any way that they should make trades that would uh, weaken their future positioning for help this year. Like we mm -hmm. talked in the past about trading for Jimmy Howard, who's a pending UFA. We talked about that probably a month ago because we thought we had a chance to make the playoffs. So right. let's trade for a goalie who could help us this season. I would not trade for any pending unrestricted free agents right now. I would focus on moving guys like Wayne Simmons, Jake Voracek, Radko Gudis, uh, Michael Roffel, those kind of guys, and uh, you know, for stuff that's going to help us down the road. Yeah, I mean – yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. I mean, you just have to pretty much cut the fat off of this roster that you have. And and there's guys that, you know, you mentioned pretty much. And the guys that you mentioned, Wayne Simmons and Jake Voracek, Radko Gudis, 
there's a perception out there with some of the fans that these guys have real trade value. You know, I, I see some pretty like crazy trades that some people throw out there. You know, everyone's hung up on getting Tarasenko from St. Louis and people sometimes think like when I look at on Twitter and some of the trade proposals that people put out there, it's almost like I I feel like I'm in my fantasy football league where you get those guys that think just because they put more players they get just because they're giving away more players than they're asking for that it just makes it a better trade. But if the th- if the players that you're trying to give up are mediocre to just bad, then it's not you're not giving me any trade value. So I see out there Wayne Simmons and uh the big one I always see is Simmons and Boracek for Tarasenko. And why why would St. Louis do that? They're obviously in a position right now where they probably have to start rebuilding a little bit. And you're not going to build with a uh, with Jake Boracek, who is not producing at all and has a big contract for a lot of years left, and Wayne Simmons, who's a pending unrest- uh, unrestricted free agent. So these, I mean, look, would, Tar- would Tarasenko be... A great addition for the Flyers, yes, obviously. But to get a guy like Tarasenko, to get a guy that's going to have any type of impact on the Flyers, you have to give up an impact player. Teams aren't in the business of giving away star players just because they're having a bad season. Because we've seen it in the past where teams turn it around year after year. It's not, you know, it's it's not a sport where it takes a really long time for some of these teams to turn around. And when uh, St. Louis has talented players on their team, so they could have a good offseason and next year be right back in the hunt for playoffs and maybe a little more than that. So I, I can't imagine that unless, unless their shoes or unless their socks or both are just completely knocked off that they're going to be willing to just giving away Vladimir Tarasenko or Pareko too because that's another name that's getting tossed out there. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a sub-zero percent chance that the Blues have interest in Wayne Simmons. The Blues are not going to make the playoffs. They're in even worse position than the Flyers are. They don't, they're not going to want any unrestricted free agents either. Now, I could see a possibility with a trade with the Blues if it, if it does involve a guy like Pareko, who is a very good defenseman. He's a big defenseman. He's signed at $5.5 for, I think, the next four years, so he's got a really good contract status. Um, I could see them, you know, trading, potentially trading him or trading Tarasenko, but it would need to be there. You know, we'd need to blow their socks. If it would have to include one of Shane Gostas bear, Ivan Provorov or Travis Sanheim, and then it would probably have to include a Patrick or a Konechny and a Voracek. So you're it's, and we'll get to this, you know, in a little bit, but when you're a fan of a team, you kind of form attachments with players, especially mm-hmm. the younger players. And so people tend to overvalue their their players. And so we see Flyers fans that are cringing at the possibility of trading a Shane Gostas Bear or a Nolan Patrick or a Travis Konechny or a Travis Sanheim. But if you want to get a good return, these are the types of players that you have to move. And yeah. maybe they're not going to do it. And I have no issues with that. It, I, you know, I think that uh, Chuck Fletcher's got to make some decisions, and I would not be trading any of the young guys on the Flyers. I would be moving Simmons and Voracek and, you know, trying to get draft picks and prospects for the future. But uh, 
but we definitely tend to overvalue people that we get attached to. So I think a trade might be able to be there with the Blues. And you look at teams like the Dallas Stars, and I want to, you know, I don't know if you saw the the comments from the Dallas Stars CEO. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh, just great. Let me read a couple of these because this is great. <laughs> I almost I, I almost want to like send this guy a note and be like, can you watch some Flyers games and say some things about? Jake Voracek and Wayne Simmons, because yeah. that would really be great. But like he, their two best players are Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn. And those yeah. guys are both signed to big money contracts for a long period of time. They're not playing all that well this year. So their CEA, CEO of the Dallas Stars, Jim Lights, comes out. And here's a couple of things. He said, they are fucking horseshit. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. The yes. team was okay. But Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn were terrible. He, he said that their best players were fucking horse shit. I mean, that's incredible. There's another quote down here. Oh, Light said about Sagan. He's hitting posts. Wah, wah. That's what I say about hitting posts. Get a little bit closer to the action. Actually go to the spot where you score goals. He doesn't do that. He never does that anymore. He used to be a pest to play against. People hated playing against Taylor Sagan. They don't anymore. Wow. Yeah. Like, can you imagine no, if Paul I mean, Holmgren had come out and, and said that about, like, Voracek and Simmons? First of I all, mean, let me just say this. I could not be more happy with his honesty because I think so much in sports today there is – and I understand there has to be a certain level of decorum when talking to the media – but I think so much in sports today, there's people that just throw out the chalk, cliche answer. And this is everything that I've ever wanted a, a high-powered um, front office member to say about a player. This is tremendous to me. It's great to talk about. And if nothing else, it, it creates turmoil in a franchise. It's just good to look to another franchise and say, wow, okay. There's teams that might, you know, they have their own problems going on. But I love that he said this. If I'm a Stars fan, I'm pissed. If I'm Jamie Benn or Tyler Sagan, I am, I could not be any more appalled and angered by my boss saying that. But and who was, was it Sagan or Benn that said he doesn't play? I think it was Jamie Benn that said he doesn't play for um, – he plays for his teammates, which is great. That's a great response. It's just a little backhanded, you know. He pay, he plays for his paycheck. Let's not right. you know, let's not mince words here, you know. Right. That is yeah. So I But mean, his paycheck is guaranteed, so Yeah. But when when the CEO comes out and says that about you, it, it doesn't matter if you were the top guy on the team, which they are, or the last guy on the roster. Um, you have to look within yourself a little bit because for Again, in, in, in a world where everything is hush-hush, you're not supposed to speak out against people, everyone's offended by everything, for, for the CEO of the team to come out and be that emphatic and be that inflammatory against you, like the two best players on the team, those two guys kind of have to look within themselves a little bit. You would hope so. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's some bad things going on in, uh, in Dallas. So the amazing thing, though, is... is uh, the Stars have nine more points than the Flyers. So, well, that's not hard I, to believe. You know, we Chuck Fletcher has to do something. I mean, so the Flyers fired Ron Hextall, 
And I'm beginning to think more and more it wasn't because he refused to make moves that it had to be more of how his relationship with Paul Holmgren and Dave Scott, the Comcast CEO, was just, you know, devolving. And that Ron Hextall, it sounds like, just refused to let those guys in on any of the things he was thinking. And I think that probably the fallout with Hextall was more of a a collapsing relationship with his bosses than with anything else. So I don't think, you know, you people come, people are saying, you know, hey, Chuck Fletcher was hired. They said they want a CEO or a GM with a bias for action and he's got to do things. I don't think that Paul Holmgren and Dave Scott are necessarily putting pressure on Chuck Fletcher to make moves immediately. So I don't, you know, he may get more for Wayne Simmons and, you know, Radko Gudis, if he wants to trade him, and Voracek, if he wants to trade him at the trade deadline than now, and maybe he knows that. But there are a couple of internal moves that Chuck Fletcher needs to make, and I'm just not sure why the Flyers haven't made them yet. And those moves are calling up specifically two players from the Phantoms. And those players are Philippe Myers, who you and I both love. He's, right. uh, he's the top defense prospect in the Flyers system. He's a uh, big defenseman, fast skater, very skilled. Uh, He's second among all AHL defensemen under the age of 22 with 22 points. He should be on the Flyers right now. He he could be a second-pairing defenseman, and there's no reason that Phil Myers should not be on the Flyers. Uh, The other one is Nicholas Albe-Kubel, who we've talked about a lot. He's another young kid. He was a second-round pick, and he last year he was uh, top – Six in the AHL and even strength points. They called him up briefly this season, but Dave Haxtell did his typical Dave Haxtell bullshit and played him for five minutes a game, and they sent him back down. They need to call him back up and uh, stick Dale Weiss in the press box or wherever. Um, and those are two moves that I don't understand why the Flyers haven't made yet. They need to bring up Phil Myers, and they need to bring up Nicholas Alvey-Kubel because those guys are a part of the future here. Mm-hmm. This team's not making the playoffs. And they need to stop with the bullshit of playing these veterans who don't really add anything and are going to be gone in the offseason anyway. Yeah, I mean, look, I've already I've chalked this season up to a loss. This is a lost season for the Flyers. And it's sad to say sitting here January 2nd to say that the entire season has nothing really to play for anymore. This is not a playoff team. But one thing that you can excite fans with, you can, you know, get them to keep watching, to keep coming to the Wells Fargo Center to see you, is to call these guys up. And look, this isn't the conversation of call them up and because they're better and they give you a better chance to win. This is call them up to see what you have. This is call them up to get them acclimated to the NHL. So next season, after you have an offseason where you have money to play with, where you have where you can bring in real NHL talent, and you don't have to throw out Dale Weiss, Jordan Wheel, Yuri Laterra, who may be in jail by the end of this by the end of this year. Um, when you can get guys in here that actually should be in the NHL, that can actually produce at the NHL level, these guys are already acclimated. These guys are already they're going to be able to hit the ground running next October to start the season. But right now, yeah, they're playing well with the Phantoms. And that's not doing anything for the Flyers because at a certain point, you hit a plateau when you're not being challenged anymore. 
So they're just going to outplay the competition in the AHL, and they're going to keep doing it. The Phantoms are going to play well. The Phantoms will make the playoffs. They'll make a run. But you're not developing the game of two players that could be cornerstones for you moving forward. Phil Myers especially. I mean, when you think when you think next year where you could have a blue line that has Provorov, Gossespierre, Sanheim, and Phil Myers, and those are four very good defensemen and four offensively driven defensemen that could give you a lot on the offensive end and on the power play, why wouldn't you want to get Phil Myers up here now so you could get him in that direction, you could get him playing with these guys that he's going to be playing with on a regular basis next year. You could see who he plays best with, so now you know, not only for the rest of this season, but going into the next season, you know what your top two pairs are. You know who your top four guys are, and who's paired with who. And it's right. I don't know. I don't get it either at this point. I guess the, you know, if you're the Flyers, you have to think. I guess it's only January. There's plenty of time to turn it around. But at a certain point, you just have to open your eyes and see what's in front of you and see that this team doesn't have it. And even if you make the playoffs as the last seed in the Eastern Conference, what is that going to do for you? Because all you're going to do is have another first-round exit where they're going to be embarrassed by a superior team like they did last year against Pittsburgh, like they did a couple years ago against Washington, and you're not doing yourselves any favors by rolling out guys like Weiss, like Laterra, like Wheel, that don't have any business being on this team or being consistent players in the NHL. If you want to have a guy like that in your press box on a just-in-case basis, a guy like Dale Weiss where you're playing a team that plays a little tougher and you want to add some grit into the lineup for a night, fine. But for him to be a regular in the lineup, is it's an atrocity, and the Flyers just have done it for years now, and they're not going anywhere with it. And they're not going to go anywhere this season, so just make moves to excite fans, make moves for the future at this point. That's that's what the Flyers need to be looking to do. Yeah, it's, I mean, look, it's the easiest thing in the world to call up Phil Myers and, yeah. and Nicholas Abbe Kubel and they play them. I just, I don't, yeah, I, just, I don't, I don't really understand it. By the way, a uh, breaking update from the World Junior Championships. Despite the fact that Sweden once again has been great in the round robin and knocked out in uh, early on in the tournament, uh, Flyers goaltending prospect Samuel Airsone has been named the best player of the tournament for Team Sweet. And we'll talk about the World Juniors a little bit later, but I've, I've been very impressed with, uh, with Sam Airsone's play in the, uh, in the World Juniors. Sweden but yes, they, they, Sweden does love us. But the, uh, the, yeah, the, the Flyers need to, they need to call up Myers. They need to, to not be playing Andrew McDonald anymore in the starting lineup. They need to call up Ali Kubel. They need to not be playing... Uh, Dale Weiss in the lineup anymore and one of the so here's one of my pet peeves and again I have no statistical evidence to prove whether or not this is true but I feel like the best teams in the league typically don't change their line combinations every night and this is something that Dave Haxtell did all the time and now Scott Gordon apparently does this all the time the lines have been different like every game. And the the last night's game, Flyers against Nashville, Michael Roffles on the first line, which is something that Dave Paxdall did last year in the playoffs. I don't I don't get it. Like if 
if you're a good hockey team, you should have players who are used to playing with each other on the same lines. And I, you know, I thought that uh, Sean Couturier centering Claude Giroux on the left wing was one of the best things that Dave Haxtell did. Haxtell changed that late in, uh, you know, in his in in his regime here with the Flyers because Couturier was hurt, so he moved Giroux to center. And now Couturier is back, but Giroux is still a center. I think they need to put Couturier back, centering Claude Giroux on the left wing, and put Konechny on the right wing. And hope that, you know, Nolan Patrick, who should be back from injury soon, will, uh, you know, can improve his play a little bit. Uh, but, you know, I just, the, the constant line changing that Scott Gordon has been doing, I don't think does anyone any favors. It's almost like a constant reset for these guys mm-hmm. trying to get used to their their line mates. Yeah, that means, um, yeah. there's no continuity in that lineup. And... You're right. The more you change it, the more players have to get used to playing with each other, and maybe they do to a, to an extent, and then the next game they're playing with somebody else. So it, it makes it tough for the player to get any continuity with the guys they're playing with when every game they're playing with somebody else. But um, something that's really come up here, Dan, on Twitter, the last couple of games, and I've noticed that we, we've talked a lot about it in our Philly is Flyer group chat. And it's um, it's the conversation of, quote, untouchable players. Now, my theory is there are only maybe five untouchable players in sports, not just the NHL. The only one maybe in the NHL. And you can, you can make a case for pretty much every player in the world of sports that they can be moved. Um, but the only one maybe in the NHL would be Connor McDavid. Um, there's only one in Philadelphia, and that's Joel Embiid. And that's because he is such a tremendous talent at what he does that there's nobody else like him in the league. So he's as untouchable as they get in this city. There is no one person on the Philadelphia Flyers that is untouchable in my eyes. Because the Flyers need something. They need a change. And... Anybody that could net you a return that will help this team and make them better is somebody that you have to explore moving. I'm not saying actively shop these players, but and maybe to an extent you do, but there's this perception out there amongst fans, and I have the proof right here in front of me because I put a poll on the show's Twitter, at underscore getting bullied. I said, are, are any members of the Flyers untouchable in a trade? And 67% of the people who responded said yes. And it was all, when you read the responses, it's all the same people. It's Giroux, Hart, Provorov, Gospare, you know, Konechny, Patrick, Couturier. So basically anybody on the Flyers that has the least bit trade value that could get you anything other than a third or fourth line guy in a one-for-one trade, people don't want to get rid of. And it's, it's exactly what you said earlier in the show. It's people just grow this attachment to players. And that's something that, look, it's easy to do as a fan because you watch these guys night in and night out. They give you joy, and you want them to do good. But there's only one player in the, in the history of me watching Philadelphia sports that actually upset me to my core when he left, and that was Brian Dawkins. There's nobody on this flyer team that if they traded him tomorrow, I would be 
that upset about because I understand where this team is. I understand where this team needs to go. And there are valuable assets on the active roster that could get you a nice return and help this team moving forward. And I know it's hard for some people, but I always look at sports as I, 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 I root for the, for the laundry, not the player. Because five years from now, the Philadelphia Flyers are still going to be the Philadelphia Flyers. Claude Giroux might not be one of the Philadelphia Flyers anymore. If Claude Giroux, two years from now, waves his no-trade clause and goes to Montreal, I'm not, I'm not going to be a Montreal Canadiens fan because Claude Giroux plays for them. I'm still a Flyers fan. So you have to look past attachments to players and just look at what's best for the team that you love, the team that you root for. And if there's a move out there to be made where a Gossis Bear, a Patrick, a Konechny, as much as I love him, even Giroux, which is, he's the most, he's the hardest person on the Flyers to trade and probably never would because there's so much that would have to get done. But if the one of those guys can get you, you know, a top-end player or two or three guys that could really drive this thing in the years to come, why wouldn't you do it? And I know you agree with me on this. We've talked about it. But I, I guess just, I mean, we're, do you stand with me on this? I, I mean, are, are, to you, is there an untouchable player on the Flyers? So, okay. So I think there's multiple levels to talking about this. And I, I, I was kind of, you know, I was going at some folks today on Twitter a little bit, all, many of my Twitter friends, because um, I hate the word untouchable, right? right? Like, one example I had was if, Kyle Dubas, the Toronto Maple Leafs general manager, called Peter Chiarelli, the Edmonton general manager, and said, hey, I'm going to give you um, John Tavares, Mitch Marner, uh, Austin Matthews, and Morgan Riley for Connor McDavid. Would Is it a deal? And Kyle Dubas would accept that trade. Or, I mean, uh, Peter Chiarelli would accept that trade. I have no doubt. Um, as long as they can make the numbers work out. So the best player in the world is Connor McDavid, and he's a guy who I don't think is necessarily quote-unquote untouchable. However, yes, I understand that there are a few guys in the league like Connor McDavid, like Austin Matthews, uh, like Sidney Crosby, you know, like Nathan McKinnon, who their teams are just not going to trade. It's their a deal is not going to come along. That's going to make sense. So mm-hmm. I guess in some respects, you could call those guys quote unquote untouchable. However, let's remember that Wayne Gretzky was traded. Yes. He's the greatest player of all time. I understand that things were a lot different at the time. And there were some things outside of hockey that led to Wayne Gretzky being traded. Yeah, a lot of layers, but he was the greatest player of all time and he was traded. So, you know, look, I'm not an idiot. I understand that there are a handful of guys in the NHL who would not be traded. I think when you're talking about it from a Flyers perspective, that there's really only one untouchable on the Flyers, and that's Claude Giroux. He's got a no-movement clause. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's been with the Flyers for his whole life. Honestly, he should be a Hall of Fame NHL player. I don't think that that they would uh, even consider moving Giroux. He's the heart and soul of this team. It just, I don't think it's going to happen. And I love Claude Giroux. I've got three Claude Giroux jerseys. And 
And I would like to see him not only finish his career in Philadelphia, but I'd like to see him win a Stanley Cup in Philadelphia. I mean, look, we are human beings, right? We all have some emotion. And emotionally, I, I love Claude Drew. I'd love to see him win a championship with the Flyers. Aside from him, I, I wouldn't call anybody on this team untouchable. Now, there's guys like Ivan Provorov who, you know, look, I sit here, I've got a Brandon Wheat case autographed Ivan Provorov jersey in my, my quote-unquote man cave. I love Ivan Provorov. You know, but there's a deal that could come along where maybe you'd think about moving him. I mean, I think it's highly unlikely, but he's not untouchable. Carter Hart is uh, one of the best goaltending prospects in the world, and everyone thinks he's the savior. Conceivably, there could be a deal that could come along where you might consider moving Carter Hart. I mean, it's probably not going to happen. Here are the guys that I don't think Chuck Fletcher's going to trade. I don't think he's going to trade Claude Giroux. I don't think he's going to trade Carter Hart. I don't think he's going to trade Ivan Provorov. I don't think he's going to trade Travis Konechny. And one of the things I'll say about Konechny is that Chuck Fletcher said in multiple interviews that what the Flyers are lacking is a little bit of, of grit and sandpaper from their skilled players. And he's mentioned that Travis Konechny is a guy who actually does have that, right? So I, I see a lot of Brad Marchand and Travis Konechny. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't think that a deal is going to come along where Chuck Fletcher is going to want to move him. And... Travis Sandheim is a guy who I don't think they'd move just because I think that he probably um, is a little bit undervalued around the league and the Flyers know that he's got a lot of potential. But aside from that, I mean, Shane Gostisbehere is kind of like one of these guys who Flyers fans, uh, a lot of Flyers fans are very attached to. He's got the emoji, the ghost bear. I, I I would not be surprised if they ended up moving Shane Gostas Bear. I wouldn't necessarily be in favor of it. And I think that his his shot from the point on the power play is one of the most unique weapons in the entire NHL. Yeah, it's lethal. It's been trashed this season, and the Flyers' power play somehow is worse than the NHL right now, which is incredible given the talent. But I feel like at some point they might bring in some new coaches who may unlock some new potential strategies for the Flyers power play and Shane Gostisbehere's slap shot will once again become a superior weapon. So, you know, I think that's a unique thing about him and, you know, I, I wouldn't be looking to trade him, but I wouldn't be shocked if they traded him. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they traded Nolan Patrick. I mean, he's a guy who, uh, he's very young. He's got a ton of potential, but I, I've got some friends in the Philadelphia media and I've, I've heard some things that he, maybe is a little bit arrogant in the locker room and that some of the players don't like it. Now, yeah, look, that's that. all kind of, that's kind of all kind of hearsay, but I, you know, I, I, I'm not convinced that Nolan Patrick is going to become an NHL superstar. And if, if a team wants to give us a haul for him, I would not be stunned if the Flyers traded him. So really ultimately the only guys I would be surprised if they traded would be Drew Hart, Konechny or Krovrov. Four guys. That's it. I don't think any of them except for Giroux are quote-unquote untouchable, mainly because of his no-movement clause, which I don't think he's going to waive. But that's that's kind of where I you know, weigh in on it. I think that the most likely scenario is that Simmons, Voracek, Gudis, and Raffle are the guys that they look to trade. But um, you know, I wouldn't much. be surprised. 
I wouldn't be surprised if some of those other guys get moved. Yeah. I mean, in my lifetime, my 26 years on this planet, there have been two legit stars for the Flyers. Uh, Claude Giroux one of them. Eric Lindros is the other. Um, Eric Lindros got moved because there were so many other issues with him that you basically had to. Um, yeah, Claude Giroux, look, he's not going to go anywhere. He'll, he'll likely end his career with the Flyers, but again, and there's no team that's going to come in, and, and he is he's a star in this league, so there, you, you're you not trading him for nothing. And th- no team's going to come in and blow your socks off for Claude Giroux, who's, you know, about to be in his 30s, or he already is, he's 30 years old. Um, and he's got a big contract, so it's not going to happen. Claude Drew's not going to go anywhere. But what I'm saying on Twitter is that if you say anything at all against Claude Giroux, people will just dive right down your throat. And I get it. People like the guy, but, you know, he's he's not above criticism. And to me, he's not above moving if the right deal came along. But the right deal's not going to come along for him. But there's, I mean, you mentioned Nolan Patrick, and I could, I could totally see the arrogance in him. I could see why teammates, you know, if it's true or not, you know, we don't know. But I could see why people wouldn't like him. He's not at all the most personal guy in the world. He doesn't have really any personality at all. He's like, when, when I see his interviews, it's like just, he's like talking to a wall. Um, and he's not anywhere near where I think people thought he was going to be a year and a half in his, into his career. He's obviously still very young. He has a lot of time left to develop, but I don't see, I, I just don't, you don't see enough out of him to get excited about. And, you know, as, as a second overall pick, you need to see flashes from the guy, and you just don't see enough of those flashes. So, I don't even think there's a team that would come in with, a, you know, a big haul for a guy like Nolan Patrick because I don't think he showed enough to, to warrant a haul. And there's a lot of people invested in him already emotionally and, you know, because because of where the Flyers were in the draft order and that because they got lucky and the 2% chance turned into the second overall pick and he came in and everyone just already assumed that Nolan Patrick is going to be the next star, he's going to be a superstar in the league, and... You know, right now there, right now you have seen nothing to think that Nolan Patrick is going to be a superstar in the NHL. Will he be? I don't know. I mean, I can't say f- definitively one way or another, but I haven't seen it from him. And then here's here's something that somebody asked me on Twitter the other day, and it's going back to the Dallas Stars thing. And it took a lot in me to not just you know this is this is where the fan base is at, at least some of it anyway. In regards to Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan, somebody asked if Dallas would consider doing, and I don't even know if this was real. I could have been getting trolled for all I know. Uh, They asked if Dallas would consider doing Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan for Wayne Simmons and Jake Voracek. First, your thoughts on that? I mean, I don't need to comment on that. I mean, that's that's, I try to be as diplomatic as possible and just say, like, you know, the, the I don't know. The numbers the, wouldn't the, work out. The Flyers aren't going to trade for uh, two guys that, that have a uh, $10 million cap hit each for the next seven years. Right. Which is what those guys have. Like, exactly. There's, it's the it's the modern-day NHL. The Stars, the, God bless their GM for uh, you know letting some of the thoughts of him and the owner out there publicly – but the reality is, is that based on their contracts, I don't think anyone's going to trade for Jamie Benn or Tyler Sagan. No. 
Maybe Sagan. I mean, he's a younger player and he's got a lot of talent, but you're not. Maybe, but he's got $10 million a year for the next seven seasons. I mean, I don't know. Is is anyone going to do that? Maybe. Who even has $10 million on the cap right now? Yeah. Look, that was just, that blew my mind, but that's where some people are. And some people, I think there's some people out there that really think that, you know, you could get a lot, like, they, that's what I'm talking about. They just package together everybody they don't want and think that you're just, you know, think that they're going to add, you know, a, a top 20 player to the team to add to these other guys. But that's just not going to happen. But, and even when you, get, when you get to Carter Hart, that's one guy that I, 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 and look, is there, again, there's probably, there's a deal out there for Carter Hart, but that deal's probably not going to come the Flyers' way. It might because, you know, a goalie of, of his promise i guess is a high it's a commodity among the in the league you know it's a guy that would has a lot of value to him to other teams but from a flyers aspect i wouldn't move he's as he's as close to untouchable quote unquote as i think anybody on the team other than of course claude Giroux, because the flyers are in such a need for legit goaltending that they need as many people in here to just maximize their odds of getting somebody long-term that could be a, a viable option for them. They have, obviously, <clears throat> obviously Carter Hart, and then um, Felix Sandstrom's out there, Carol Ustamenko's out there. I already forgot the guy that you mentioned that's on Team Sweden right now. Samuel Ersson. Yes. So they have, look, you, you just need as many, right now they need as many goaltending prospects as they can get their hands on because what, you have to think that just by the law of averages, one of them has to hit. So I wouldn't trade Carter Hart just because if, God forbid, they traded Carter Hart and he went on to become everything that the, that Flyers fans expect him to be, and then you know they end up with Felix Sandstrom, who's just a marginal NHL goaltender, and they're still looking for a guy 10 years from now, we're just going to be... I mean, we're going to be slamming our heads against the wall. So you, right now, the Flyers are in a position where they need as many goaltending prospects as they can because they need one of them to be the guy. And right now, Carter Hart is their best chance of getting the guy. So I would not move him. I would not move Giroux because you really can't. Um, other than that, to me, everybody's available because this team as it stands right now isn't good enough. So... If I have to get, if I have to move a Shane Gosses fair, if I have to move Nolan Patrick, um, I would, I, I would really hesitate to move Travis Connecting because I think that his his style of player is something so valuable in the league, and it's not something you get a lot of anymore. But if I have to move one of these guys to make the Flyers better next year and beyond and to, to finally get them you know out of the doldrums that they've been in for so long then I'm open to it because right now the they don't have anything else going for them and if you want a legitimate NHL player to come to the Flyers via trade then you have to give up a good player you're not going to get you're not going to trade but you like Wayne Simmons, you're not going to trade. You're not going to get rid of Wayne Simmons for a legit player in the league. More than likely, you're going to get rid of Wayne Simmons for draft picks and prospects because of his contract situation. No team's going to give you a lot for Wayne Simmons because they'll just say, "All right, we'll just wait a couple months and just sign him," and then we don't have to give you anything. So sometimes fans just have to think logically, and I know it's hard to say goodbye to players that we love, but 
it's it's sometimes a necessity for the good of the franchise overall. And that's where the Flyers are right now. They're not in a position to where they can just say, nope, we're not moving anybody. Because this 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 what whatever they're doing right now, the thing that they have right now isn't working. So they need to try something new. They need drastic change to this roster because as it is currently constructed, it's not good enough. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's a it's a balancing act just because Ron Hextall did build a very good sort of farm system and and some of the current young young guys on the team, and now Chuck Fletcher's got to make decisions on who he values, and so that's kind of part of the reason why, you know, I even though I would, you know, be apoplectic if they traded a guy like Ivan Provorov, what's Chuck Fletcher seen him play, and he hasn't. I can't imagine he's been all that impressed. I mean, he's been playing a little bit better recently. But again, I don't think they're going to trade him. But I'm just saying, it's all in the eye of the beholder. So, you know, we'll see. But um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, some of my thoughts from the World Junior Championships. Because the Flyers have got seven prospects in the World Juniors. Pretty much each of the last four seasons, the Flyers have had, if not the most players of any NHL team. They've been right up there. And there have been a couple guys that have just really impressed me from a Flyers perspective in the World Juniors. And the first one I want to talk about is Joel Farabee. And, you know, the Flyers traded away Braden Shen, and they got Yori Laterra, but they also got two first-round picks. And with those two first-round picks, they, they got Morgan Frost, who I'll talk about in, in a moment, and Joel Farabee. And Morgan Frost is a year older than Farabee, I'm telling you, every time I watch Joel Farabee play, I come away more and more impressed. He's a six foot, and he's probably up to about 165 pounds right now. But he is he's such a smart, skilled player who who I, I when I watch him play, I think to myself he's bigger than six foot just because that's the way he plays. He's so strong on the puck. He's got great hockey IQ. He's a terrific passer. Uh, his engine's always going. He's got a really good shot. He scored. A, he had a hat trick in uh, one of the U.S.'s first few games, um, and uh, I think against Kazakhstan he had a hat trick. One of the sh- and uh, one of the one of the shots was just look, you know, sort of like a, like an Austin Matthews shot. I mean, it was such a great shot. Um, and he's a kid who I think. And I'm going to be doing my updated Flyers prospect rankings shortly after the the World Cup when I get some time here, or the World Junior Championships. But Joel Farabee is going to be, you know, very high on my list. He was number four on my list last time, and he's probably going to be higher this time because I watch him play, and I there's a couple comparables that I've kind of been been thinking of. One is Mark Scheifele with the Winnipeg Jets, and he's one of the best centers in the league, and Shifley is uh, 6'3", so he's a little bit bigger than Farabee. But uh, another guy who Farabee actually really reminds me of is Jonathan Taze, Uh, obviously one of the more celebrated captains in the league, and Taze is 6'2", so he's a little bit bigger than Farabee. But the way that they play is... Joel Farabee literally has, he has no weaknesses in his game that I can tell. And it's the same thing with Jonathan Taze. Like, he doesn't blow you away, but he does everything so well. And Farabee was taken, what, 14th last year overall 
I think that he's going to end up producing in the NHL like a top five pick. I love I love Joel Farabee, and I've just really really been so impressed with him. So that's that's the first guy. You know, Morgan Frost is. Uh, I think he's the leading scorer on Team Canada right now, and he's been phenomenal. I mean, last year he was second in the OHL in points. He was second uh, in the MVP balloting in the OHL. This year he's picked up where he left off. He's top three in points in the OHL this season. And I don't think that he's quite the prospect that Joel Farabee is, uh, but he, he could end up being a better scorer in the NHL than Farabee. He's... When I watch Morgan Frost, he's got so much talent and skill in the offensive zone, and he's actually probably the best passer that I've seen in the OHL and in the World Junior Championships. He makes passes that other people don't even think of, but he's got a pretty good shot too. I think he still has to work a little bit on his his overall game. Uh, The puck always seems to be on Joel Farabee's stick, just for whatever reason, his instinctual play. It's not quite there yet for, for Morgan Frost, and I think that Frost has to learn how to play with speed more when he's got the puck on his stick. But I still think that Morgan Frost is going to be a top-two-line NHL player. I think Farabee's going to be a top-line player. And then the goaltender that, that we talked about a little bit, Samuel Airsone on Team Sweden. They just got eliminated, but he's 6'3", so he's bigger than any of the Flyers' goaltending prospects, talking about Hart, Sandstrom, or Ustamenko. And he's, he's really impressive. I mean, he mainly plays a stand-up style. Uh, this is the first time I've gotten a chance to see him. But he's playing in kind of like the second-tier Swedish league this year, the Alvenskan. And he's got a .941 save percentage, which is unbelievable. And he's, his play in the World Junior Championships backed that up. I mean, he looked really, really good. So to my eyes, those three guys... Farabee Frost and Airstone have been phenomenal. And the Flyers have got four other prospects. <laughs> Briefly, Noah Cates for Team USA. He looks to me like he's a guy that's that's trusted by the USA coach on the power play, on the penalty kill. He looks to me kind of like a bottom six NHL winger. He's got good size. He's got good skill. I think he's a potential NHL player. Jay O'Brien, who the Flyers took with their second pick in the first round last year, number nine or number 19, uh, he's he's a guy who I think's got a lot of upside, but he's had some injuries this year at the University of Providence, and he hasn't quite put it all together yet. And he's also struggling a little bit in the World Juniors, but I think he's a guy that could put it together. I, I don't think he's got quite the raw skill that a Frost or a Farabee has. Um, and then there's Jack St. Ivany, who's a defenseman for Team USA. Yeah, he's he made the team, but I. His skill doesn't really stand out to me, and I think he's kind of maybe a borderline NHL prospect. And then Adam Yinning, who's a big defenseman on Sweden. They just got eliminated. He's more of a defensive defenseman. I think his upside could be third-pair NHL defenseman. But but I'm telling you, I am I'm so excited about Joel Farabee and Morgan Frost and and uh, the Swedish goaltender that uh, it's a you know that's what kind of gives us all hope for the future, especially with us acknowledging that this team this year is probably not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing Ron Hextall did for the Flyers. He revamped what was um, really an awful prospect pool for a long time. So you got to give him full credit for that. You got to thank him for that. And the Flyers are, I mean, look, they're not, all these players aren't all going to hit. They're not all going to become, you know, 
members of the Flyers for years to come and lead them to Stanley Cups. A lot of them could be traded because, you know, you can't sign all these players. You can't have them all on your team. But the Flyers are in a good position from that uh, from that perspective. But uh, you ready for a bit of breaking news here? Some good, some Bre- good news? Breaking news. Go yeah. ahead. It's not a trade. Um, but Claude Drew named to the uh, Metropolitan All-Star team. Which, oh, there you go. Yeah, so, I mean, look, he's obviously the best player <laughs> on the Flyers. He's probably, you know, he's one of the best players in the Metro division, so it's uh, it's fitting. That's nice. Yeah, it's, congratulations to Claude. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, he's. it pains me to see this team as it is, with, yeah, you know, and he know what tragic. he puts into it. But uh, should we get to some, uh, some of our uh, quote-unquote viewer questions? Absolutely, because there's a lot of them, and I will uh, I'll let you go first, because I don't know what... I don't know. I don't know if it's. I hope our lists are in the same order, but uh, I'll let you. I'll let you uh, take first crack at this. Okay. Well, let's see. Um, I pull up the tweet. All right. Let's. I'm gonna go uh, start out with. Um, uh, let's go with Travis Konechny at BMER47. Mm-hmm. His tweet was discuss possibility of. Sagan and Ben for Voracek and Giroux. And we've talked about this a little bit. I don't think the Flyers are going to trade Claude Giroux. I do think they're going to trade Voracek. I would not be stunned, maybe, if there's a trade involving Voracek and one of those two guys. Because their salaries are a little bit similar, although Sagan and Ben are making about a million and a half more than Voracek. But I just, with the contracts that the Tyler, Sagan, and Ben have, I don't I, I don't think that the Flyers are going to end up making a trade with the Stars for either of those guys. No. I mean, Sagan was a guy that, before uh, Dallas extended him, was a guy that I really wanted the Flyers to pursue in the offseason um, when he was going to be a free agent. Obviously, he's not going to be now, and that's a big number. $10 million is a lot of money. Um, you know, I, look, I, I love... Tyler Sagan, I think, is a great player, but I know you'd really have to you'd have to make the numbers work. I don't think I'm with you. I don't think the Flyers would be willing to take on a contract like that um, at this point in time. But I don't know. I guess I don't think it's going to happen. But I, you know, it, it would be nice if it did. But all right, let's see what else we have here. All right, so I'm going to go with uh, Lou Crocetto. It's a three part question, which we love because it's more questions than uh than it seems to be but uh given that everyone wanted q here one could he be could he be doing any better than gordon right now two did he see this mess and say thanks but no thanks and three most important when can i enjoy watching a flyers game again um you can enjoy watching a flyers game again the first game that phil myers plays with the team. I don't know when that's going to be. That call, probably, I mean, it's inevitable. It's just, a, it's really more of a, a when, not if. So that's probably the next time you can get excited. Beyond that, I would say next season. Uh, as far as Joel Quinville goes, or goes, could he be doing any better? I mean, I don't, I don't know, to be honest with you. I mean, I think we all wanted the coaching change, and it was a, it was something that needed to happen. But I don't know that any coach could get much more out of the Flyers than they're giving right now. I mean, Quenville's obviously he's 
probably he's one of the two best hockey coaches alive right now. Um, obviously, Mike Babcock's probably the other one. But I, I look, I just don't I, the way the Flyers are playing, and even under Scott Gordon. I mean, when when a coaching change is made, and we saw some fire in the first two games after the change was made, and then they've just slipped back into the same. You know the same mistakes that they've been making all season, even on their hacksaws. So I don't know if they would be playing. I don't know if Joel Quinville can even get this team playing at a high level. I mean, I, I think he's he'd, they'd probably a lot more be a lot more intimidated by him and probably listen to a lot more of the things he says. But I just don't know if anybody could get a lot out of this team right now. And did he see this mess and say thanks, but no thanks? I just don't think he wants to come into a situation mid-season. Um, you know, like I said, he's a guy with a lot of pedigree and for him, it's probably better just to take some time off, take the rest of the season off, evaluate everything as a whole in the off season, because there's probably going to be other coaching vacancies in the league in the off season. So he'll have his pick of the litter at that point. And, you know, hopefully, and we don't know what's going to happen with Scott Gordon, if the Flyers keep up with the, what they're doing, he's not going to be here next year as the coach. So. Hopefully the Flyers are Quinville's choice when the time comes. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I agree with you. You know, for the most part here, I totally, I was same answer for when can they enjoy watching the Flyers game again? And I love Lou on Twitter, by the way, Lou Corchetto. He's a great, great follow. He's got a lot of funny comments, but, uh, but yeah, I think when Phil Myers comes up, we'll be excited. Look, quite honestly, whenever Carter Hart's starting, I, I'm excited to watch the Flyers play. Yeah, but. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Joel Quenville saw this mess and said thanks, but no thanks. I think, like you said, he wants to take a little bit of time, maybe wait till the offseason. I still think there's a reasonable chance that he ends up as the coach for the Philadelphia Flyers. Could he be doing any better than Gordon right now? I I don't think so. I don't think anyone's going to turn this team into a into a playoff team. I think some moves have to be made. I think some guys have to be called up. But again, I'm not I'm not a huge proponent of the way that Gordon keeps changing the lines around, but. You know, uh, we'll see. Um, all right, next question. We've got DB, one of our loyal listeners. Uh, yeah. his, his handle is at MatchPenalty21. He says, Nolan Patrick is still just 20 years old and has plenty of time to grow and develop. But what concerns me is that he doesn't seem to want it bad enough, want it in caps. Does he want to be a great player or is he just satisfied with being an NHLer? Are you guys concerned about this as well? So this is interesting because when I was doing a lot of research into Nolan Patrick versus Nico Heischer for the Flyers, if they got the, uh, you know, if they at pick number two, depending on who was available, obviously we didn't have a choice over who was going to be available, but I just kind of wanted to see who I liked more. And ultimately I, I had Heischer a little bit higher, but, one of the things that concerned me about Nolan Patrick was that he had had all these injuries and this was probably an unwarranted concern of mine, but I would bring it up just because DB has mentioned this. One of my concerns was that Nolan Patrick might just keep having injuries and sort of just lose interest in being an NHL player. Now, again, I don't really think that's a rational concern of mine. I think it was kind of like a neurotic concern. But DB sees some of these same things about maybe him not wanting it bad enough. And you talk about Nolan Patrick's personality. And like you said, he's kind of a little bit laissez-faire. He doesn't seem to, to, to care that much. I doubt that's the case. But I do have some 
questions about what his ultimate upside is and if the injuries are going to get in the way. So I I have some concerns about Nolan Patrick. I mean, this year he was supposed to build on what he did in the second half of last season. End of the day, I still think he's going to be a very good NHL player. I don't think he's going to be a superstar, but I think he could be a very good second-line center. I'm not sure he'd be a first-line center. So that's that's kind of where I see it with Nolan Patrick. I, I you know, like he had that awesome uh, shootout winner against uh, the Rangers. That was a phenomenal shot that he had, and I think he needs to shoot more. When he's in the lineup, he's got a really good shot. And when he's healthy and his legs are feeling good, he's a very good skater. But I I still do have some concerns about Nolan Patrick. Yeah. I mean, what I love about DB and this question here is he's looking at it from an unbiased eye. Um, he's given his honest opinion on Patrick. These are things that we've already talked about this episode. Um, you know, do, does he want to be a great player? I think so. I mean, if you're in the NHL, if you're in any professional sports league, you want to be a great player in that league. Um, I have concerns about his overall attitude and just, you know, like I said, you know, he, he comes off as a guy that, you know, just doesn't really, like you said, just doesn't care. Not, not that he doesn't care about being good or care about what he's doing on the ice, but, I think in some ways that it could carry over, you know, if you're just kind of a laid back guy and you just let things roll off your back, you know, not that you want a player to get bogged down by mistakes, but you know, I, just, I get the, I get the feeling from him that if he makes a mistake or if things don't go his way, he's just kind of like, ah, you know, whatever, I'll, I'll try again next time or something. Um, I have obvious concerns about him. I don't think I, like I said, I, he hasn't shown me nearly as much as I expected him to. Going back to that draft, I wanted Nico Heeshear because I wanted the Flyers to have a a shoot first, score first guy. Uh, I need I needed the Flyers to get a guy with that mentality, and I thought he was, you know, the guy for that. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with Nolan Patrick going forward, but you know, I'm definitely concerned about him, and I would love to see a lot more out of him uh, down the road. Mike Aceto. At M Death and Taxes, who we've had on the show in the it's past, our buddy Mike. Yeah, um, he's got a two-part question. Number one, St. Louis still seems to be a great trade partner for a larger scale moves. Is GM Doug Armstrong still pursuing offers for players like Pareko and Tarasenko, or has that ship sailed? Number two, which how much turnover do you see on this roster headed into the 2019-2020 season? Um. As far as St. Louis goes, obviously I can't speak to the mindset of Doug Armstrong, but given where given where his team is right now, you got to imagine that a guy like guys like Pareko and Tarasenko are high on his list of players to move if he wants to make a move to kind of revamp that team a little bit. Um, I I just I see guys like that if they're going to get moved, probably you know th- those are deadline deals because. That's when you really see what teams are players in or contenders and what and what teams aren't. And that's when you're probably going to get the highest value. You're going to get a team that sees an opportunity, sees a window to win now, win this year, and they would be more willing to trade 
some of their higher end prospects and picks for guys like that. So yeah, I mean, is he pursuing offers? Maybe not pursuing them, but I'm sure he's listening to offers if they're coming in. And once the deadline gets closer, I could see that, um, you know, picking up more steam as far as how much turnover do I see the flyers having headed into 2019, 2020 a lot. Um, I expect, and hope that this roster looks a lot different next season because I think we've seen all that we're going to see from the roster as it is right now. There's guys in-house that we've already talked about. There's free agents that are going to be available that the Flyers are going to have money to get. And so I, I, I expect it to be a big offseason for Chuck Fletcher. And that's, you know, he's a guy that we've seen in the past when he was with Minnesota, isn't afraid to spend money on big, on big players. So uh, I, I, I expect, some of the same for the Flyers this offseason. Yeah, I agree with you on the St. Louis component. I think that Doug Armstrong is still going to be open to moving anyone on that team, is what I would think, including Pareko or Tarasenko. Turnover, you know, I, I think there's going to be a fair amount of turnover. I mean, this team has, let's take a look, this team has got a, a number of unrestricted free agents, and I don't I don't think any of them are going to be back. Um Let's see, I'm just pulling up the my roster spreadsheet. Yeah, I mean, you've got Michael Roffel, Jordan Wheel, Yori Laterra, Wayne Simmons, Christian Fullen, Michael Neuwirth, Brian Elliott. They're all unrestricted free agents. I don't think any of those guys are going to be It's a lot of money freed up. It's a lot of money that's going to be freed up. I think that uh, – I. You know what? I've got a feeling that Andrew McDonald's going to be bought out this offseason. He's only got one year left on his contract. I just oh have God. a funny feeling he's either going to be dealt or bought out. I think he's going to be gone. I think maybe they'll try and trade Radko Gudis. I think that Voracek could be traded. Simmons obviously won't be back. I think you're going to see guys like Phil Myers, Nicholas Alvey-Kubel, maybe Mark Friedman on this team next season. I think there's going to be a lot of turnover, and, and that doesn't even account for if there's some kind of blockbuster trade. So I think that it's almost a guarantee that there's going to be a lot of turnover, right. and maybe there's going to be some kind of blockbuster trade like we saw with the Mike Richards and Jeff Carter trade. So I, you know, I think that there will be. I think there's going to be a lot of turnover with this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a birthday that was for me—the the day that Jeff Carter and Mike Richards got traded. That was your birthday! Wow. Yeah. Look, at you was... think they did it just for you? Ah, uh, maybe. I don't. I mean, I'll never forget. It. I remember just sitting on the couch, actually, I was watching NHL Network at the time, and it all just started coming in, and I was pretty dumbfounded at the time. It was not huh? expected, but um... no, that was a, that was a wild <clears throat> day. Um, right. We got three questions left. Okay. So let's um... go to our buddy Flyers, Rob. Um... Flyer Rob uh, is Robert N. Wilson III at NAA Robert Wilson, known for his, his gifts on Twitter. He's great with that. He's got a three another a three part question, uh, and I'm going to answer them as I go along here. Can NHL referees call a double penalty shot on the same play like they did in the World Junior Championships? I don't know if you saw this, Mark, but this is one of the craziest thing I've ever seen. So in, in the Russia Switzerland game, I believe. Mm-hmm. The Switzerland player had a breakaway, and he was tripped once by the Russia guy, got up, and then it was tripped again. And the referee called two penalty shots on the same play. So, and they missed huh. – Switzerland missed both of them. <laughs> uh, 
if they had scored on both, it would have been the first time in a hockey game ever that two goals have been scored without any time elapsing, which would have been interesting. That's crazy. But I do not think, Flyers, Rob, I do not think that NHL referees can do that. No. Uh, secondly, why is Ian LaPerriere still employed? I have no idea. I mean, the Flyers' penalty kill is improving a little bit, but I don't know why this guy still has a job. I can almost guarantee you he will not have a job going into next season. Third question from Flyers, Flyers Rob. The Flyers have nine games, then a week off. If we are not in playoff contention by January 28th, will Chuck Fletcher have a fire sale? Well, let me say this. The Flyers are not going to be in playoff contention by January 28th, and I think that he will have potentially already in a fire sale before then. Maybe they'll get more at the trade deadline for guys like Warcheck and Simmons and uh, Raffle and maybe Gudis, but I think he's going to try and move some of those guys soon. So I think I think there's going to be some trades in the next week is what I would guess. Yeah, I mean, but we've been saying that for a while and nothing's been getting done, so who the hell knows at this point. Um, Michael Clark, at Clarky Teacher. It's a fun little Twitter handle. Who do you see the Flyers selling that are realistic value? That, and what are their realistic values both now and at the deadline? Uh, he says, Voracek, Simmons, Wheel, Weiss, Amac, Raffle, Gudis, Elliott, and Neuver. Um, well, Vor- like, like we said, Voracek and Simmons, their value probably increases towards the deadline. Uh, Raffle and Gudis obviously are two other ones, like you just said. Elliott, Weiss, Wheel, and McDonald, I don't think have any trade value whatsoever. It, especially the two goaltenders, I don't think anybody would give up anything for either of those guys, and they would be foolish to do so. Uh, of those, maybe AMAC has some value. I mean, look, in a week where Brandon Manning gets traded from uh, Chicago to Edmonton, who a guy that you probably you couldn't imagine having any less trade value. I mean, you got something for him, but maybe a guy like AMAC. Uh, but yeah, these are all, I mean, outside of Voracek and Simmons, those guys are probably the guys that have the most trade value. Probably not so much right now. You have to see, again, towards the deadline, who's available and what teams are, you know, interested in buying at that point. Those are probably, have the, those two probably have the most. I wouldn't expect a deal for either of them near the deadline, though. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I agree with you. I think Warcheck should have a lot of value. I wouldn't trade him unless you can get decent value in return. Wayne Simmons, I'm hopefully, I'm hopeful that he could get us a first round pick and a prospect in return. I think that's the optimum return for Simmons. Michael Roffel maybe can get you a. I think he's actually a decent player. I think maybe you could get a third or fourth round pick for Michael Roffel. Radko Gudis, I think, would have a little bit more value. I think maybe you could get like a uh, maybe like a second round pick for Michael Roffel. I think is 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 a possibility. Um, let's see who else did he mention. Wheel, I don't think has any value. Weiss has no value. Amac, maybe a little bit of value, but I doubt it. Um, Elliot and Neuvert, no value. So yeah, I think Voracek Simmons. Rafael Gudis are really the only guys that could get you anything back of consequence. And the last question from Chris Corman at chriscorman.com. One of our followers with a, with a blue check mark. I'm always yeah, I impressed noticed that. with all the folks on. Yeah, I'm always impressed with all the folks on Twitter who have the blue check marks, and Chris Corman does. He uh, 
He uh, asks, you wake up and you're Chucky F. Chucky Fletcher. Nice. And he he asks, what's the first trade you pursue and what other moves do you make right away? So <sighs> I, here's an interesting thing that I've – and this actually may not work because you're Chuck Fletcher. But and I, I've been talking about this for a while was that I, I thought that the Minnesota Wild – would be a great trade partner for the Flyers because I think Wayne Simmons is the guy that they would really value. And they've got kind of like a young Wayne Simmons on their team and Jordan Greenway. And I think that Simmons might be a good kind of role model for him and some of their other players. So I've always kind of been infatuated with a trade with the Wild involving Kirill Kaprizov, who they took in the first round a couple of years ago. And he, they haven't been able to get him to come over from Russia. He's been in the KHL lighting it up. This year, actually, he's he's not lighting his, it up as much as he has in the past, but he looks like he could be a almost like a Vladimir Tarasenko type. He's just a great finisher. Part of the problem, though, with that is I think that Chuck Fletcher's maybe one of the reasons why he didn't come over, so I don't know if that would work out. But the Wilds still have a couple other good prospects, and I, I think that they could be a potential trade partner for the Flyers. So that's, that's something I would look at. You could look at a guy like a Charlie Coyle might be interesting. Um, and so that's something I would look at. I, I would also definitely, and I'm sure they have been talking to the blues because when you've got a team that's playing as poorly as the flyers, like the blues are, they might be devaluing their players in trades a little bit as well. So, you know, those are, those are a few of the teams that, that I would uh, definitely be looking at. You talked about the uh, Maple Leafs and the Bruins are teams that maybe could use a guy like Wayne Simmons and then might give up their first round pick this year. So that's what I'd be looking at. Um, two names come to mind when I think of who the first, I guess, I mean, he wants the first one, but I'll, I'll give it one, a one B. Um, one guy we've talked about a lot, probably not likely to happen because Columbus is second in the division right now would be Artemi Panarin because for obvious reasons, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. He's obviously a great player. Uh, I don't know where Columbus stands on re-signing him long-term. So we'll see there. Um, but another name that comes to mind and we saw him a couple games ago and that's alexander barkov uh for florida who they're on the outside of the playoff picture looking in they're currently seven points out of a playoff spot barkov's 23 15 goals 24 assists already this season flyers have a surplus of picks and prospects so i you know that's a guy that could come in here um and really solidify the center position for the Flyers. Um, we know we've talked all season about how they need depth up the middle. And, you know, you come, he comes in here, he's a legit number one center for them. And then it just strengthens the whole team. It strengthens your forwards, you know, from day one. So Barkov's a guy that I would look into. Not many, you know, he doesn't get talked about a lot because he plays for Florida. And that's just, you know. Florida is Florida. They don't really get a lot of buzz because they're Florida. But that's a guy I would look into if I'm Chuck Fletcher because I think the Flyers have the arsenal to pull off a move like that, and I think he makes the Flyers a better team. I love you, Mark, but this is how I envision a conversation with Florida General Manager Dale Talon going about Alexander Barkov. Hey, it's Chuck Fletcher. I'm just calling about some trades. Oh, hey, Chuck, what are you interested in? I'm interested in Alexander Click. Like, I don't. I don't think there's any chance in hell that the, that the Panthers are going to trade Alexander Markov. But you did give me a chance to talk about how much I love him because you watch him play. He is, like, you look at the word solid, 
And he is arguably, to me, the most solid player in the entire NHL. He's very gifted offensively. I don't know if he's ever going to be a 100-point scorer. But that guy, man, he is built like a brick shithouse. He is so good defensively. He's so good offensively. He's To me, he's one of the most underrated players in the league. I I love Alexander Barkov. Yeah. And, I mean, you're probably right. I don't think they would – the conversation would get very far, but – in an episode where we're talking about untouchable players and everybody having their price. I just, the Flyers have a lot. It would never happen, but if you're asking, if I'm Chuck Fletcher, if, if I wake up tomorrow and I'm Chuck Fletcher and I have to make one phone call, that's probably high on my list of, of teams I'm calling and players I'm asking about, just to see. You never know. You know. Hey, look, in my Fantasy Dynasty League uh, earlier this year, I traded away the number one pick in the uh, minor league draft, which ended up being Rasmus Dahlin, and I uh, got a a pick in the NHL draft that was Barkov. So I actually acquired Alexander Barkov earlier this year for uh, for uh, Rasmus Dahlin. There you go. There you go. So yeah. I have one quick question before we wrap this up, and I think I know where you're going to go with it, but because we talked about the uh, the blockbuster day um, when Mike Richards and Jeff Carter were both traded on the same day, just like minutes apart, really, is what it seemed like. Uh, you look at the guys the Flyers got returned that day. Uh, you know, they have, they got the pick from Columbus that turned out to be uh, Couturier. They got Voracek from Columbus. They got Simmons and uh, Shen from L.A. Who... It, Looking back now, where both franchises stand currently, um, obviously we saw the success L.A. had. Carter and Richards got their cups. Who won that trade? So the Flyers definitely won the Carter trade. I mean, we got Jake Voracek and Sean Couturier for all intents and purposes. So the Flyers definitely won that trade. The Richards trade is tough because – you know, he was the captain of this team. He was the heart and soul of this team. He led them to a Stanley Cup Finals appearance. I mean, no player on the current Flyers has taken them past the first round, basically. And we traded him, and we got, uh, you know, Wayne Simmons, who's been a very good player for the Flyers. And we got Braden Shen, who, who they traded, and who was underwhelming, in my opinion. So that trade's a tougher one to, uh, you know, to really look at, I mean, the LA Kings were the big winner of those trades because they got Mike Richards and then they ended up trading for Jeff Carter, who the Flyers had sent for Columbus and they won a cup. So whether or not, you know, how much Anzi Kopitar, Drew Doughty and Jonathan Quick had a huge impact on them winning a cup. Yeah, but but Jeff Carter was incredible in those cup runs and Mike Richards was very good too. So I think the Flyers overall, if you look at both trades, one overall they definitely won the carter trade i don't know if they won the richard trade but um you know again my my man joel Faraby is uh him and morgan frost are going to be right. very good so that's got to be considered as part of that trade since we traded shen for those picks but yeah i mean you know i the kings won a cup and we haven't gotten out of the first round so i don't know right. it's hard to say that the flash won those trades yeah i mean beauty's in the eye of the holder if you're from a Flyers perspective, you look at the picks they got and the young players they got in Voracek and Couturier, and, you know, it's easy for a Flyers fan to say that, oh, the Flyers won those trades. But then 
if you look at LA, the whole the whole goal of why they play this game is to win the Stanley Cup, and they have those, and we don't. I mean, we have them, but not for you know, forty years. But I don't know. It's, it's probably something that's going to get kicked around for for forever. But I think uh, ultimately, if you have the hardware, you have the edge. So whatever, it is what it is at this point. But I think we'll put a bow on this, the first Getting Bullied episode of 2019. I know you, uh, you've you teased a little bit that you're going to be coming out with your updated prospect list for the Flyers after the World Juniors. So why don't you, uh, it, when that's ready, where can people see that at? So, yeah, so folks can follow me on Twitter at DSilver88. And, uh, yeah, we've got our articles up at philliesflyer.com. My, uh, my prospect lists are my favorite articles to do. It's kind of a labor of love. Anyone that's read them knows that they're pretty long. you got to probably get a few cocktails ready before you start them. So I put a lot of time into those articles, and uh, it takes me a lot of time to do the research and get everything ready. My most recent one was in July. That's my uh, pinned tweet at, on uh, my, my Twitter site. But, uh, but hopefully within the next, uh, the next month, I would say, I'll have that new article up, and it'll be at phileasflyer.com. And by following me on Twitter at dsilver80, you'll be able to uh, get a notification when that thing's ready. There you go. Uh, as for me, you can follow me on Twitter at markflagman with two N's. You can follow this show at underscore getting bullied. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Um, a little personal news for me. I will, um, you know, working on a, another podcast uh, for Branded Sports, who I've written a couple articles for. Not just hockey, it's about everything. It'll be about sports in general. I always, you know, do little crossover remarks on this, you know, tying in the flyers with other teams in the city and stuff like that. So now I'll be able to give my opinion on all Philadelphia sports and really just all sports beyond that. So look for that. Hopefully that's coming soon. That's still in the works. But uh, yeah, articles are up on phileasflyer.com. Check them out from me, Dan, and all the staff over at Phileas Flyer. Follow them at Phileas Flyer on Twitter. And uh, yeah, that'll do it. It's been a, it's been um it's been a trying time so far as Flyers fans this season. It doesn't look like it's going to get any better. There are some call-ups that could be on the horizon that will give some excitement for the fans. But ultimately, it's just it's, it's just a lost season for the Flyers. And it's, uh, you know, again, we just have to look forward to next season, like we've been saying for many, many years. But we'll be talking about it next week again with all the games that go on in this next week. So until that time, have a good time. Have a wonderful week. Let's go, Flyers. Good night, Sweden. 